That's it. Yeah. We're live. Yeah. Hey. All right. It's been a while. Um, remember, we got to look at the lens. The lens. Even though we want to. I look do at that this all the time. Okay, I'm looking screen. at the lens. Um, welcome back. It's been a while. We haven't we haven't really had a live broadcast in a month. Where I was going to say like four weeks. Yeah it's, yeah, it's been a bit, but you know, Christmas season, uh, New Year's. Not to say we were celebrating and going crazy, but rather, I was away with my wife, um, and also work gets in the way in all honesty and also we wanted to i think we, we were talking about how we liked having a series last time yeah. and we were not quite sure of what we wanted to put together for this time yeah. we had like a little series so you know i know you were doing a lot of praying on that yeah. and um you know we were praying about it and then you came up with this really great yeah we're we're both topic. evangelistically minded we like to we like to preach the gospel so our mindset is why not just talk about the gospel yes and uh, in that, we're going to, for the next three episodes, we're going to be talking about facets of the gospel, specific pieces of the gospel message. I'm not talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or those are included in there, but uh, specifically the concept of the gospel and what it is in its fullness. Because uh, I've been convicted personally that across the board, when you look at Christianity in, in America, you get a lot of different perspectives on what it means to be a Christian. And ultimately, if we're not going to the Bible as our standard and looking at what the Bible says about the human condition, um, the need for a savior, what Christ actually accomplished on the cross, there's a lot of information that is kind of floated out right. there. It's we're, We need the essential gospel message, yeah. not all of the the other stuff, not that it doesn't matter, mm -hmm. but it's very peripheral to what the essential message is. And right. I think that people get lost in that. And, you know, actually talking about the gospel message, something that I think would be helpful is I know when I first became a Christian, I didn't understand what that meant. So you just named all the components, but gospel means the good news. Right. And I didn't understand a good news for what, and this, you know, kind of goes into what we're going to start talking about is why do I need good news? I feel fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's the, what's the good news and why do I need it? Right. And, uh, you know, interestingly, we use the word evangelism a lot. The gospel in Greek is actually aeongelion, which is, if you look at it, it looks like evangelism because that's where the root evangelism comes from, is actually from the gospel. To evangelize is to share the good news. So what is the good news of Jesus Christ? And that's, that is the vital point of why we want to go into this and we're, we're doing it in three parts because there's a i didn't really talk to you about this but there's and i don't have, <laughs> that's okay we go with the flow i don't think i have it it's Led over it's over there i think i don't think it, yeah it's that red book over there on the far left um one of the historical documents uh, or historical creeds of the christian faith is called the heidelberg catechism and oh, it's a yeah. teaching tool and the Heidelberg Catechism is set up in three different ways, in three different sections, and that's guilt, grace, and gratitude. Um, so it, it teaches, it's used as a teaching tool. It's used to teach people the greater components of the Christian faith. But at the same time, the gospel in and of itself, when boiled down to it, requires those three things, guilt, grace, and gratitude. And when I say it requires guilt, I think we need to start there. It freaks people out there. a little. Because yeah, <laughs> it doesn't require guilt Shame in the sense of, yeah, you being right. shamed. Um, we want to like separate a little bit from what a lot of people feel, um, which is that I'm ashamed of my past. I am upset about the thing. People make me feel guilty for things, mm -hmm. and I'm being judged for things. And 
this is very, you know, going back to our conversations of the different philosophical understandings of the way things are. It's like, oh, well, I want to believe what I want to believe. You can't judge me for that. Mm -hmm. And when people judge me for that, I feel guilty because I feel like they're disapproving of my lifestyle. That's not what we mean by guilt. Um, So when we discuss the gospel and we break it down, the first thing we really want to focus in on is this concept of guilt. Um, And really where it, where it, uh, where it really strikes me is when, when we, when we consider what we're seeing in our, in our nation right now, not to get political, not to get, not to take sides in a political argument, but just the reality that it doesn't, it seems to not matter who you talk to. Very few people are willing to admit the fact that the perspectives they support, the perspectives they have, the, the parties they align themselves with, the worldviews that they hold on to, they're unwilling to think that anyone who shares that worldview with them could possibly carry evil. Right. It's almost as if you hear conspiracy theories across the board of, um, well, if my party does something like this or a person I support does something like this, well, really, they're being infiltrated by the other opponent. Right. They can't possibly have. um, I think that, and to be clear, this is not, we're not saying anyone. It literally is any political party that you support um, as individuals, just so people don't get, <laughs> get well, yeah. And whether it's political parties one. or lifestyles Lifestyle, or anything. Exa- yeah, that's a good thing too. Lifestyles, wh- whatever it is. Yeah. It's if you, um, if you share the same belief as me and I'm a good person, that means that you must be a good person too. Right. And I think it's important to then go further and realize, wait, are you as good of a person all the time as you think that you are? Yeah. And that's kind of where we're going into. That's it. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is, is what we're seeing is, is kind of like teams forming. Yeah. Teams are, I think a good, a good way to put this is if, if you're working in an office staff or if you're working as a, as a, as a, a staff, a co-staff member, and your, your uh, colleague does something that's not helpful to the progression of your business. Are you just going to sweep that under the rug right, and that's ignore a good, it? That's a good analogy. A you lot can. of people do that. Right. You can't. But the reality is you can't do that. So if you have a worldview, if you have a position or a thought, and there are people within your sphere, within your circle, who are doing things that are really antithetical to the progression of your of position, your position, you yeah. need to be willing to to call that stuff out. Mm-hmm. We can't just try to come up with reasons as to why that might be the case. It's It's a recognition and again, we talk about the biblical worldview when we had Eli on, it's a recognition that people are evil. As, as a general, yeah, that we are generally flawed. And um, something that we were talking about just before we started, when we were just having our pre-conversation, um, was understanding that as human beings, we are flawed. Yeah. Um, we, all of us, no matter what, how, how good of a Christian you are or what it is that you do, you know, the foundation for the requirement to have salvation through Christ is the admission of sin. If you don't admit that you have sin, then you are claiming to be holy and without sin, right? right. Essentially, um, which then you would be God. <laughs> But yeah, which in reality, for a human to claim that they are without sin is for them to claim that they are elite compared to every other human out right. there. 
So I am far superior. By saying I have no sin, I am saying I'm far superior to any other person out there. And I mean, we know that'll make people cringe in today's society right. anyway, right. to, to, to claim superiority. So the, uh, but, but it is a reality is to, to try and say that you are perfect. And I, I don't know anyone who would really claim they are perfect, I, but what I the, don't either. The weird part is that it comes out in their perspectives and in their, in their worldviews. So I'm not going to claim I'm perfect, but it's very easy for me to say that my worldview is perfect. And the reality is, I do believe the Christian worldview, the biblical worldview is perfect, but the way I interpret it, right. do I interpret it perfectly? Probably not, because I'm a flawed, sinful human. And that's that's why, I mean, we're a Reformed church. That's the concept of Reformed theology is to say, we want to work as hard as possible to go back to the Word consistently to make sure that the message that we are conveying is true to what the Bible is saying. Mm -hmm. Because we recognize the flawed sinfulness of humanity including ourselves. Yeah. So if if I'm going to get up and and preach the word on a Sunday morning, I want to make sure that what I'm saying is is accurate and as yes. true to the biblical text as humanly possible. And in the event that something comes up that is misinterpreted, that's where correction is necessary and conversation is necessary. So to and that's that's the idea is that the the Bible is the standard of our life. So the Bible says things like all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans talks about the wages of sin being death. Mm -hmm. So if every person has sinned and falls short of God's glory, so there is not a single human on earth who is capable of living a perfect life. If all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death, the only thing we deserve is death. Technically. That's it. That's the. It's like if you were, if you follow the law, like if somebody gives you, you know, if you, if you are, um, so here, can I share This is a little personal anecdote. My kids. She hasn't told me this before. No, I have This has not I been haven't. screened. Nope. This isn't. So this is kind of funny, but it's about following, um, how we so easily will manipulate things to serve ourselves as humans mm. and try to justify why we made our decision for good reason. Um, despite what the actual law or rule or best way might be. Mm. So I take my kids to school in the morning and there's this light that says no right on red. And we know those lights that say that and you don't understand why, because there's never any traffic coming in the other direction. Mm -hmm. So now you have to sit for three minutes. Do <laughs> you know what kind of light I'm talking about? And you literally want to scream. And I, yes. Yeah, so, so stupid. It's so, it's so ridiculous. So one day I made a right on red. And I had recently been talking to my son about sin and trying to explain it to him. I was being a total hypocrite <laughs> and I used the law to try to explain it to him at unique meaning like the, the judicial law. Mm -hmm. And, um, I made the right on red and he called me out on it and he said, mom, you broke the law. <laughs> He's correct. He's correct. And, and I had the opportunity. It was challenging because I had to, you know, put my pride to the side. And I said, you know what? You're right. I was in my mind thinking if I was pulled over that the police officer would understand that my kids were going to be late to school. And so my duty as a good mother was to actually break the law, go against the rules in order to get my kids to their school at, at the exact minute that they needed to. Yeah. That was, I was going, I literally broke the law as silly as the law may sound. I could have caused an accident because in my mind, I had the right to do so because my kids needed to get to school on time. And you wanted to, you were using personal reasoning 
to go against the law. Mm -hmm. And it's this, it's this kind of thing where, um, that's, that's one thing running, you know, going, turn, making a right on red when it says no right on red. It's a simple, simple It's a good metaphor because when you look at scripture, the law of God is not just the rule book. It's not just a, it's not just a rule book. It's not a, a list of laws that we're supposed to follow. Proverbs eight is a beautiful um, uh, exposition on how it's wisdom being personified and wisdom is speaking in such a way where it is saying from the beginning I was created. So Mm -hmm. before all other things, wisdom existed. And as you read it, you start to see as the wisdom, as wisdom talks about the mountains being formed and the oceans being created and, and, and creatures existing on the earth, you start to see that wisdom is not just a way of thinking but it's the entire way that creation is meant to operate. So when we're thinking wise, when we're using wisdom, when we're thinking wisely, really what we're doing is looking to step in, discerning the proper way to step in to God's created order for the world. And that's why there's the opposite, folly, foolishness. Foolishness is doing anything that steps out of God's created order. And at the very end of Proverbs 8, wisdom says, anyone who loves me finds life, Mm -hmm. but anyone who hates me loves death. It literally says that, that if you are going against wisdom, if you're going against God's created order, you're walking towards death. The wages of sin is death. Sin is something that our, our, our flesh craves. So the guilt portion of the gospel is not... You you should feel guilty for the things you've done, and that's I think the the key word feel. You shouldn't feel guilty, right? But you are guilty. We are guilty for the sins we've committed, mm-hmm. and the concept of of guilt is not to it. And this is so prevalent in culture right now. Why I think it's so important to talk about it is you're not a perfect angel. Right. We're not perfect people. And for us to look at our worldview or our perspectives of things and to to be so convinced that it is impossible for us or anyone who believes in our camp to do wrong, and therefore it must be infiltration from someone else. I mean, Christians will even continuously blame Satan when they do bad things. Right. And even if Satan is a tempter, even if Satan is the one who tempted you to the point where you committed the sin. Guess what? You're still guilty mm-hmm. of it. You are culpable. It is your fault. And that's what the gospel says. And that's why that's, that's without that, the rest of the story of redemption makes no sense. Right. Right. I think um, I was, well, first, I think, why don't we clarify what sin is before sure. we keep going? Because Capital I think, S or lowercase s? Let's do, <laughs> let's do both. <laughs> let's do both. Because I think that, um, the word sin uh, is it, sometimes people are very turned off by it. Sure. Um, I think that they don't really always understand it. And I think that, you know, when we're talking about guilt and things like that and other things that we're talking about, people, like you said, can admit that they're not perfect. Mm. But I think because there isn't always a clear definition of what that imperfection is or what sin yeah. means, um, they can begin to reason and justify for themselves why they made that mistake or how it's not completely their fault. And um, then the guilt actually stretches out for a longer period of times, a longer period of time, because you haven't fully come to admit that wrong is wrong and 
right. you're done and right is right. You know, uh, does that make sense? No, it's perfect. Yeah. yeah. So just if we could clarify. That's really good. And, and sin in general. So first of all, what I would suggest is if you're watching after you're done with the video or pause it right now, there's a video. You, If you're, if you're watching on YouTube, it makes it even easier because you can just open the search bar. But in general, go to YouTube, search the Bible project, I look up the, the word project. sin. They do all these word videos and they do one yeah. on sin, um, which really helps you understand it. That but whole series sin comes from the word missing the mark, mm -hmm. a word, a Hebrew word, which really means missing the mark. Um, and really with archery, so the idea is like an archer would take a bow. Actually, I know archers never really had the bows, but the quivers <laughs> behind them. They'd be on the side because like the quivers on your back. Every time you run around, the arrows fall out. So the idea is the quiver, I guess, was on the side. So anyway, they take the arrow out of their quiver. They shoot. They aim for the target, but they miss. They're missing the mark. That's the concept That's of sin. That's what sin is. So it's this idea that now, now the issue here is that sin, and, and the beauty of that is that is that when you take an arrow and you shoot, so you're aiming for a target, I'm aiming to behave a certain way, but I miss the mark. So even, and this is this is the, the point of the gospel, is even if you desire to live a perfect, righteous life, you cannot because you miss the mark. So that's that's sin, lowercase s, is even if you're pursuing, so all, all I don't know, I, I feel like every single one of us knows somebody who has said, well, I'm a pretty good person. Oh yeah. You know, guess what? You missed the mark. Like, I don't, I don't care. I, I try. I mean, I, if I look at my history as a person and I look at some of these other people who I've been associated with, I wasn't a partier. I didn't swear. I was like the goody goody kid. I had friends who partied all the time who had mouths like sailors and it could be very easy for me to say, well, I didn't do those things. So I'm a pretty good person. But there are other terrible things that I've had in my heart that I've done that I've said. And that matters. That matters. What's in your heart. Those yeah. thoughts. I think it's important to, to mention that because I think people think it's only the action that makes the difference. But Jesus specifically talks about thoughts mm -hmm. and what you have in your heart. And so I think that that is, to me, when that clicked for me, it was actually such a relief because I can't control what comes up in my head. Yeah. I can't control these immediate sinful thoughts or, or beliefs or feelings rather that yeah. I have in my heart. And the fact that that was not my desire, mm -hmm. my desire is to, to hit that mark and to live a righteous life. But the fact that regardless of Monet's desire to do that, mm -hmm. my heart automatically has a jealous moment yeah. or several moments, or I begin to think something negative about somebody else, even if it's for five seconds, the water is muddy. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know what I mean? That's like good. that. It, and yeah. and that's has nothing to do with my desire to hit that mark. It just shows the nature of who I am as a person, regardless of my desire for righteousness, mm -hmm. my internal, very core being of myself on its own will bubble up with some sort of sinful right. response. Yeah. You know, that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, and some, some, sometimes you'll hear people say, well, like the response to when someone says, well, I do good things. I'm a good person. Sometimes you'll get the response from people of like, well, they'll say that and they're capable of doing good things, but we all know that it's like they're secretly doing it for selfish reasons in their heart. I don't believe that. So I just want to put that out there. I think there are people are very capable of doing things for unselfish reasons. I agree with you. Apart from apart from Christ. And like, I think mostly. I yeah. think most most people 
want to do the, the yeah. right thing and, if we and believe, mean well. Yeah. If we believe what the Bible says, that the, the law of God is written on the hearts of man and that no one is without excuse for knowing the existence of God. So we're all created in God's image. Yes, we're sinful, but we're all created in God's image and the law of God is written on the hearts of humanity. So if that's the case, I think we're very capable of doing things unselfishly, doing nice, I mean, good things for people or for the world to better creation. We are capable of doing that. The problem isn't like what you said is there's these involuntary actions and biblically, again, the Bible is our standard. We go to that to understand the world around us, not how I feel, not what I observe, but the Bible. The Bible says all of our righteous deeds are fil- are like filthy rags before the Lord. So that means something is to turn to someone who says, well, I do good things. I'm a fairly good person. I'm, 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 I, you know, I, I don't, I don't try, I don't steal. I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't swear. Like there's these, these like checklists. And the reality is, or, or if they, maybe they give you this checklist of good things they've done to turn around and say, look, apart from the grace of God, every single one of your, even your good deeds are seen as filthy before the Lord because we have been, and this is where the capital S sin comes in, is that this creation has been tainted by sin. And that's where it's a little different because the act of sinning, what we do, is missing the mark. Right. But capital S sin, the proper noun, is this concept of uh, this concept of evil that has infiltrated every fiber of creation. And that began with the disobedience of Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. It be- began with the manipulation by the serpent. Again, check this. The serpent tempted Eve, but he did not force her. It is not the serpent's fault that Eve ate the apple. It's the serpent's fault for tempting her, right? but it is not the serpent's fault that Eve ate the apple. Right. That's what we were saying before. It is not Satan's fault that you sin. It is his fault for tempting you to sin, but he is not the one responsible for your sin. You are responsible. That's so for important. Your sin. You know, you hear that. You hear that in today's political climate. That like, if some, if one person says one thing and a group of people do something as a response to what that person said, then that person's guilty. That's not reality. No, and that that's, and that I think is what one of. Satan's biggest desires to do, which he was successful with in Adam and Eve, is the yeah. immediate. She made me do it. Yeah, he. I. I did yeah. this. You know, she blamed it on, on Satan. Eve blamed it on Satan, and Adam blamed it on Eve. Yeah, and in the end, they knew what right and wrong was, and that's as evidenced by Eve actually saying, "God didn't say that." Like yeah. she, she tried. She initially good, tried, yeah. you know, yeah, she, it's all already, it was the beginning of passing blame because we have guilt before God, because we know that we've done the wrong thing. Yeah. We, we, I'm saying collectively as mankind. And we don't like to sit in that guilt. So we want to push that guilt off. So Eve says the snake made me do it. And Adam says, my wife made me do it. Right. And God's no like, one made you do it. Right. You did it, you did it out of your own selfish desire and out of your own you you succumb to temptation and the picture that paints that that narrative paints of adam and eve is that no matter how i mean they were created and put in the garden of eden eden was like for all intents and purposes a place of shalom like a place of eternal bliss beauty that's where you wanted to be and and they even adam and eve 
were incapable of living perfectly in that place. Mm -hmm. They succumbed to sin and they were guilty of that sin. And for that reason, God said, you can't stay here. I'm kicking you out of the garden. He didn't kick the serpent out of the garden. I mean, maybe he did. We don't really we don't know. know after after the, after he reprimands the serpent and said, look, someday the spawn of the, the woman is going to crush your head. And I love that. But um, we don't know what happens to the serpent after that. But we do know what happens to Adam and Eve. And God says, look, you are guilty of your sin. Now, whether the snake is actually Satan or it's some representation of evil, um, like it's, it's its own some sort of like spiritual yeah. temptation force. There's a good Bible project video on yeah. that too. Yeah. So, right. The Bible project. If you is check great. that out, there's a whole video a series on yeah. that. And that's a good one to check out. And on top of that, like as, as you, as you discover and as you learn uh, about the, like humanity is who's responsible for sin. Like a dog causing you to sin is not going to be responsible for your sin. A dog doesn't have an eternal soul. You do. And so, your sin is your fault. You are guilty of your sin, lowercase s, missing the mark. Even if we try to be perfectly righteous, even if we try to be the best people we can be, and please do that. Yeah. I think you should strive to be a good person. But without the grace of God, without Christ, which we're going to get into next week, that's yeah. the grace piece. Yes. Without grace, we're <clears throat> guilty of sin. As mankind, you yes. know, somebody uh, mentioned this to me recently, and I think it would be helpful to clarify too, <clears throat> that people don't always understand, well, that was Eve, Adam and Eve's fault. Why mm -hmm. do I have to, you know, why do I have to pay for that? Why can't we all start off being born as perfect and holy, um, not quite understanding, and maybe this is a whole different episode because it's pretty intense, but like not quite understanding the fact that it's the fall of mankind sure based on that there's, yeah there's a there's you a know. concept there's a there's a theological concept called total depravity and it is the concept that humanity is completely depraved um due to sin humanity is depraved even and it says like i'm sinful even in my mother's womb so it's like before i was in my mother's womb god knew me he formed me in my mother's womb but even in that formation i was sinful and the issue this gets into in today's church climate, you have churches who want to justify people's sins by saying, well, God created them that way. God created you to be a particular uh, a particular Type gender or sexual orientation or whatever. And because you were created that way, it must be a good thing. But the problem is that goes against the standard of God. And that also says that even in my mother's womb, I was sinful. And that's like me coming out. Let's say I came out of my mother's womb and I, you know, in five years I grow up and I'm a kid and I go kill someone. Oh, well, you're created that way because you had that right. mindset to murder. And it's like, and that's, a, that's an extreme example. But at the same time, who's to say that whatever forms in your mother's womb, whatever, however you are, whoever you become to be, Who's to say that didn't happen in the womb and that it was, you know, the whole nature versus nurture argument, like who that's beside the point. I think what we're getting at is all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And our, our sinful nature, yeah, from and our sinful nature, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but what you just said, like made a light bulb go off in my head, our sinful nature um, can, it will serve as bringing us closer to God in relationship. Yeah. Like that, those, those sins that were, you know, that are there before we even, but that's our nature. So our nature, if you think of it almost like on a scientific kind of genetic basis, we are naturally sinful because of 
a tainted, tainted human beings, yeah. you know? So going forward, there is tainted that we are tainted as yeah. a result of that. So, but our sin, once you recognize that and truly, and true, I'm looking at the wrong thing and truly, <laughs> and truly not embrace your sin, so to speak, is it's okay, I'm a sinner, but actually repent and admit that you do miss the mark. And, and honestly, I'm telling you, that was such a relief for me. And I think it is yeah. for most people when they finally do, because then you realize that there is nothing other than um, repenting and accepting the grace of Christ, that you, that sin that you recognized is how God shows his face like all the time, whenever you struggle, whenever I struggle with a specific sin, like for me, pride is a really big one um, because I so desperately do not want to be prideful. It is where I go to God time and time and time again. And it's where I mm. see this, the strength in my relationship with God grow, mm. you know, like yeah. through my sin. So I don't know what you said exactly that made me think about the, the being born, you know, yeah. being formed in the womb and how we can view that. Yeah. And you know, I think that when we get to grace, it's going to be really helpful because, you know, if you're just watching this episode it, and you, you need to watch the other two, because this yeah. one is really just pointing out how terrible we are. And that's not a fun message, no. <laughs> but it is the, it is the necessary component for the rest of the gospel to make sense and to even be important. If, if I was capable of being perfect on my own, then there would have been no need for Christ because I, it, it, it makes me think of in Genesis, there's, God tells Abraham that he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And eventually he does it. But Abraham does this like bartering thing with God. He's like, God, what if I find 50 righteous people right. in Sodom? And he's like, all right, if you find 50, I won't destroy it. He's like, what about 40? Come on, like 40, come on. And he's like, all right, if you find 40. And Abraham's almost like working his way down. And that really paints this picture that if if anyone was capable, if anyone was capable of living up to the righteous standard that God requires of us. And again, that's going back to the created created order for the universe. If we could step into the created order of the universe perfectly, then there would have been no need for Christ, even if one person was capable of doing that. Because if one person was capable of doing that, heaven would be a lonely place. There'd be one person there. But the reality is then that mark would be set and right. Jesus would not be necessary because it's saying, look, someone was capable of doing it. But the reality is no one is capable right. of doing it. And the just to 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 wrap up, do you yeah. have I do have a final thought. You give the final thought and then I want to give the final thought. And then you'll do your true final you thought. You usually do the final thought, but I have I want you to have the have the okay, final thought. Cool. This is so my pre-final thought. Um this came and I just think it's an, I wanted to point it out. This is from a few minutes ago mm -hmm. in our conversation, but um, so it's gonna seem disconnected, but talking about um, missing the mark, mm -hmm. um, or, you know, sin. There are two ways that I see in the Bible that it happens. And I think when you're exploring your own faults and shortcomings or, or sin, you know, your rights or wrongs, because they your shortcomings are your imperfections that are your, that are your sin. And I think it's important to acknowledge them. So if you're doing your own personal reflection on that, I think it's important to recognize that in Adam and in, in the account of Adam and Eve, there were two types of sin. There was active sin, which is, this is my interpretation of it, which is where Eve kind of went back and forth mm -hmm. with the serpent and mm -hmm. said, no, but really, but blah, 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 blah. And then eventually that she gave into temptation. Then there was the passive sin where Adam just said, okay, he didn't, he didn't go like, well, wait a minute. I'm not doing that. 
he she gave it to him and that is also he just took it he he just took it deliberate he just both yeah those yeah okay sure both of those types of sins count so if you're actively sinning and those are the best ways for me to describe it it's where you realize what's happening and you go back and forth the passive one is where you realize it but you're kind of indifferent to Mm -hmm. it and you just go okay both of them matter yeah and you know even like without the understanding of god's standard for our lives there's a lot of things people do that they probably don't even realize are sinful Mm. and there's there's a reality that without a standard you can really treat whatever you want as good or bad and and i talked about this in my sermon yesterday and we've talked about it here is without the standard of god's word no one at all really has a basis for understanding good or evil um so god's word reveals the law to us it tells us that law is written upon our hearts and that we are capable of knowing good from bad like the majority of people in the world would know that killing someone's wrong even if they don't know the bible you feel you know it you know from it. inside but there's other things like eating way too much food just to eat food you could without the purpose for energy one. you could right. i justify it all the time <laughs> look at me but the reality is there that even that is things that need to be repented of. Like, am I just eating a ton of food just to eat a ton of food? Or am I doing it for the nourishment to sustain the body God has given me? See, there's that's where I, I, I talk about that created order concept is God created the human body to require nourishment. We then took that concept and said, wow, God gave us taste. I like food, which is good. He created the beauty that you can create these really exquisite, like he, he has given people the ability and the knowledge to create fine, amazing foods. But there's a difference between enjoying your food and overstuffing yourself to the point where you're about to go into a food coma. Is that really <laughs> nourishing your body or is that leading to heart attack potential and it's different perverting things like the that. natural order? Of exactly. And when you think of sin in that concept that I am perverting the natural order of things, I'm going against God's natural order. So I'm moving towards death. That's what Proverbs 8 said. I would encourage you to go back and read it. And this is where I want to end. Um, I'm sorry for talking up a storm today, but no, I'm I, clearly passionate about yeah, this subject. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, it's great. This is where this is where I want to wrap up. Is when you so so Hebrew says that because we have so great a high priest, and I'm not going to get into all the all the the Old Testament Levitical law stuff of that explains what a high priest is. Um, at least not in this episode. But because we have such a great high priest who made a sacrifice for sins, um. We And we're going to talk about that next week. But we can boldly approach the throne of grace and offer our confession to God. So a lot of people say, oh, we can boldly approach the throne of grace and we can talk about whatever we want. But really the context is because God, because Christ has forgiven your sins, you can approach the throne of grace. And this is the beauty. A lot of people ask, why doesn't prayer work all the time? How come if I pray for healing over something, I don't necessarily get it? There's other things. But actually, this was from the Youth Alpha video tell you the youth alpha video is so good but this from the youth alpha video it says the one prayer that is the answer is always yes to is god please forgive me mm-hmm. that's so that's amazing true. so it's like okay oh wow that was really it's, good it's yeah. the recognition that a healing a prophetic word whatever whatever people want to get into when it comes to prayer the most the greatest miracle of all time is to take someone who was walking in death, again, going against the created order order of things, someone who was walking in death and making them alive. 
Yes. And that's what Christ does. And that's what grace is all about. And that's what next the next episode is about. Yes, so, very exciting. Um, but for now, uh, we hope this explains guilt a little bit and the concept of sin to understand that it's like, it's it's actually a good thing to recognize that you're not perfect. It's a good thing to recognize that, uh, take a step forward, that you're evil. The human heart is evil. John Calvin, a Reformed theologian, says that uh, the human heart is a factory of idols. Yeah. We just idolize everything. Again, that's going against the creative order. God said the only, I, the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. That's the first commandment for a reason. Yeah. It's literally the 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 starting point of our lives. So um, that's sin. That's guilt. That's the beginning of the gospel. We need to understand that before we can get to the other stuff. So is that a good wrap up? I thought that was a great okay. wrap up. I appreciated your <laughs> final thought. Awesome. Well, we will catch you next time whenever and probably next week. Yeah. Probably next week. We'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just show up live <laughs> later. Oh, you know, man, you know, man, you know, man.